Hey, everyone. I'm Andy Flattery, and this is the Reformed Financial Advisor Podcast. You can find show notes for this episode and get on my email list at simplewealthkc.com slash 16. This is Can Millennials Trust Financial Advisors with Brian Gum. Let's play the music. Discussions in the show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. You are my fire, the one desire. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Inc. Registered broker dealer member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. So I've got my friend Brian Gum on the podcast today. Brian is a partner and certified financial planner at Triune Financial Life Planning in Overland Park, Kansas. He's a good dude, and we're going to be tackling this question of, can millennials trust financial advisors. Let's be honest. I know this is something that comes up. If you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, and you are considering interviewing financial planners, you're going to want to listen to this conversation. I'm excited to share it with you. So let's get right into it. My conversation with Brian Gum. The way I wanted to start kind of framing this conversation was this idea of looking at the financial planner as a doctor mm-hmm. or, or the financial advisor as a doctor, if, if you want to put it that way. I kind of like this analogy. I mean, the, the idea is that y- you you might go into a doctor, hopefully you're doing it on, on a regular basis, maybe for your annual checkup. The, the doctor who knows you well, if you've been working with him for some time, does kind of like an exhausted, exhaustive analysis of your history and, and your current state. And he will give you a list of recommendations. And, you know, because here, here in the U S we, we trust, we trust our doctors mm-hmm. more than likely we, we will take that recommendation and we will use it to um, live good and healthy lives. So I, I like that is a kind of idea as to what a financial planner, I guess, could be mm-hmm. at, at its best. I, I don't know if that, that resonates with you, Brian. But I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, no, I think, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. I think the trick with giving advice is you're also trusting the person to take it and implement it. You know, most people have had the conversation with their doctor. They need to move their body for 30 minutes a day, five days a week, eat veggies and get some greens and all of that. But then you don't see that doctor for six to 12 months if you're regular. And so I think where financial advisors get to be a little bit different and maybe expand upon that kind of a relationship is the frequency in which someone is dealing with money is often more frequent than they're dealing with big changes in their health, you know, hopefully. And so I think that gives us an opportunity to be a more present force in their life than the typical physician, but still to, you know, have that, that trusted relationship, which I, I think, honestly, there's a, a new wave of financial advice and financial planners that are building trust from an industry that I think really was built on a lot of distrust. 
in kind of our parents and grandparents' generation. So hopefully get to, getting to a point where we can be as trusted as our clients' doctors as well. Yeah, good point. And I think I think the analogy holds too when you think of it from like a, a consumer or a patient's perspective where you know, especially we men, we, we go into the doctor when something is wrong or when, especially when it's really wrong, Th- yeah. that is when we will go, we'll go see a doctor. And at that point it's often kind of too late. And so the doctor, he, he's kind of dealing with an uphill battle. And the same thing can be true for financial action. A lot yeah. of times if it's, uh, if it's dealing with the problem you just had and it's not forward looking, you, you're in the same, you're in the same scenario. You're acting kind of in defense. Yeah. Well, it's what's interesting. So when we onboard new clients, we often use the phrase, it's better to prepare than to repair. And nice. that is not original to us. I, I can't remember who we stole that from, but it might've been Mitch Anthony, but, but that, that is so true. And I think what's really unique particularly about you and me, Andy, is we are often working with clients that are closer to our age and demographic. And the challenge for most financial advisors, just in my own experience, is people come in when they're 55 years old, the kids are off to college, and then all of a sudden that pain point starts flaring up, right? They're going, oh, the next big goal is retirement. And I'm not ready, or I don't know if I'm ready. I need to talk to somebody. And it's kind of like, do you want to wait to have a heart attack and then have your doctor tell you that you need to eat more greens and less red meat? Or do you want to just kind of sprinkle in some greens in your youth so you never have the heart attack? But yeah, I think you're totally spot on. Yeah, it's a great point. And to kind of continue on with it, I think ideally we would all like to be able to take control of our own health and mm-hmm. and not necessarily have to you know outsource every financial decision to a doctor that 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 doesn't seem like the way that we are intended to live a good and healthy life and so you know in the same breath I like this idea Brian that you kind of brought up to me the last time we got together of you know especially Gen Y gener- you know our our generation the millennials kind of wanting to be empowered mm-hmm. with their finances and not necessarily like putting everything on on autopilot or offloading kind of every decision, but basically using the tools that they have available to them to kind of be empowered to make their own decisions. So I, I was wondering if you could kind of expand on that idea or maybe explain it kind of in, in your own words. Yeah. You know, I think part of it is just who I am. So I think my mind drifts in that direction. I, w- I want to be in control of my fate. Um, sometimes that's wonderful. Sometimes that's a, a, a huge hindrance in my life because, as we all know, you can't control everything. But I think there's this perfect storm with millennials where it's you know we're native di- or tech natives, digital natives, so we're aware of how to use all of these tools. We're in this information age, and you have big data, and we have access to everything. And then at the same time, because of various you know major events in our childhoods and adolescence, I think there's an inherent distrust with institutions. And so I think that has created this environment where there's a general desire to take ownership over your life. And sometimes I think it's a reaction of like, I can't trust the advice I've been getting from the big bank or the big student loan or my teachers and oftentimes even my parents. So I need to take this in on my own and I have the tools and information available to me, whereas our parents did not. You know, I think of even just like the fact that you can go and buy a stock with two taps of your finger on your phone. That wasn't a thing 
35 years ago. So mm-hmm. I think that has just created this environment where because we have the access and because maybe a little culture of distrust of kind of the, the, the big guys on the block, people have a desire to take their financial health into their own hands and take ownership of it and, and get serious about it earlier on. Or at least that's what I've been seeing. Yeah, this is timely that we're talking about this. Okay, so it's like 12 years, 13 years or so mm-hmm. after the 2008 financial crisis where we had the whole Occupy Wall Street movement. Ginevra and I just watched the big short the other night and uh, it did a great yeah, it did a, a great job of just laying out the kind of crimes uh, of the big banks at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, now here we are in 2021 and like one of the so-called good guys is this Robinhood company, mm-hmm. which has now kind of lost all the goodwill that they had built with this brand. And yep. it's almost like uh, it's almost like Occupy Wall Street all over again, except maybe with a, even a, a different generation this time. Well, and I think what we're finding out, you know, I'm not sure exactly when this will air. So the way that news has been cycling, we could have an entirely different world by the time this comes out. But, you know, when we're recording this, it's on the tales of the GameStop and, and uh, AMC and BlackBerry stock run-ups and what is called, you know, a short squeeze of these hedge funds. And there is a little element of like sticking it to the man, or it's almost like a punk rock attitude that kind of comes, I think, with our generation. But at the end of the day, as we've seen with Robin Hood, there are still gatekeepers. And that's maybe kind of the point of what's changed. You know, we trust our doctors. If you go in with an ailment and they say, hey, take this medication, you generally trust it. But there's a whole wave of people that do not trust their doctors. They do not trust the CDC when they say you need to wear a mask or you need a vaccine for COVID-19. And so I think there is just a general desire. And unfortunately, it might be a reaction of I can't trust anyone, so I'll just take it in on my own. But the hope is that with wise counsel, with people in your corner, by being in community and talking to people, and particularly people that are experts in their area, you're going to be able to have that ownership and empowerment. And I think to kind of bring some of this full circle into what we do, you know, my job is not to tell you what to do or to tell you how to spend money, but to help you have the tools and the knowledge and then create an environment where you can use those constructively and not in an echo chamber on Reddit or just on Google on your own, but to really create an environment where you can make progress in your life. Right. Yeah. Well said. I, I think of it in uh, yeah a couple of different ways. You know, the first way is there are certain things that of course you can and should outsource. Yeah. There's no reason why we, we can't utilize um, technology to offload certain things for us. So, you know, for example, like, it's it's probably a good thing that we don't have to deal with like physical stock certificates anymore. I think that they look cool. I, I kind of like like just I would the, be broke because uh, I would have lost them all. I can't even keep my keys straight. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. But just like as a collector, they're cool. But I mean that it's it is probably an upgrade that that you don't have to worry about losing your physical stock certificate anymore, right? So there yep. there are certain things that technology has made a lot easier for us to just offload. But then. At a more high level, I, I think it's things like you know you you should align yourself early in life with someone who knows your situation well and mm-hmm. and who wants to help you with things like education, with inspiration, and and then even with organization. If you're bringing in someone that just knows your financial life well and can kind of help you organize your thoughts and help you make sense of all the complexity, there's real value in that. And so I think even 
even with millennials that um, are looking to be kind of anti-establishment or <laughs> try to separate themselves from the, the system as much as possible, like it's there's a lot of value in, in aligning yourself with with a person that can help you with those things. Yeah, I, I think you know trust is earned and. At the end of the day, I literally had a, a meeting with a client this afternoon where we were talking about a number of things, but they just kind of started joking and we're like, well, you're basically our counselor. You know, we call you to talk through yeah. life stuff. And, and I know that's the same for you with your clients where you are really becoming a trusted resource. And a lot of times it's about financial planning and financial elements, but sometimes it's just kind of life stuff. And I think that's what's different, particularly with our generation is we we don't trust the institution to take care of us. We're also afraid of messing it up ourselves and going it alone, many of us at least, who don't want to be full on DIY. And so it's it's tricky, but luckily there's more resources out there today than ever to find collaborators and, and teammates. And an analogy I've used often is, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, I'll go ahead and just say he's the best quarterback of all time. I might get some flack for that because he's still early, but that's my vote. But he, sure, why not? he is a quarterback coach. He yeah. is he is no doubt better than his quarterback coach, but he has someone to look at him from a different perspective, to see things that he can't see. And we all have blind spots. And, you know, I've shared with you, I, I'm a certified financial planner. My wife is a CPA. And we go to and sit down with our own certified financial planner a few times a year. And we have a CPA that's not my wife that does our taxes. And it's that idea of what are they seeing that I can't? What are they seeing that I can't? And finding that relationship is so important. And the roles that you describe, education, inspiration, organization, being able to help someone implement uh, is just so critical. And yeah, I, I think that's such a fun role that we get to play. I love that. Yeah, the the example of the quarterback coach is so is perfect because is there anyone that doesn't need a coach more, really more than Patrick Mahomes? I mean, just just on his talent alone, right? He he could do just fine, right? But it's it's that mindset that a lot of athletes have of just that constant improvement and recognizing that there are people that probably need to be honest with him when he when he does need to make adjustments. Right. And so I think that's yeah, it's, that's key. Yeah, I love that, man. Well, you know, I think on top of that, it's having someone that is with you along the way, right? That I think that's the big difference that uh, we get to enjoy in our careers yeah. today. I think the trick, though, is you can say, you know, hey, to your sister, put some money in this. It's a buy and hold, set it and forget it type of investment. You'll thank me when you're 60. But when life happens... Will they stay disciplined when they have twins, when, gosh, a pandemic starts and the market plummets 35% in a couple of weeks, you know, when these things occur in life, will they still have the resolve and discipline? And I think that's what's kind of cool about us being along for the ride, helping, you know, a multitude of different areas of someone's financial life. We get to constantly remind them of the long game, right? Yeah. That's so crucial. Yeah. Yeah. So like in the, in the example of, of the doctor, you know, a lot of times if you have a family doctor, you, you've had a doctor that maybe delivered you <laughs> and, then, and then, and then a doctor, you know, years later that gets to work with you throughout the, the, throughout your life. And the same can be true for a financial advisor. So now even at, at 36, like I've had the same clients for years and mm-hmm. I have, you know, I've been through weddings and births and, mm-hmm. and retirements and, and even death and uh, every one of those has kind of financial implications yeah. that come with it. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, just as a career, 
as you know, Brian, it's it's super gratifying. Yeah, I mean, I think you know one of our partners at the firm, Bob Sparrow, early on when I was at Tron, you know, I've been there a little over six years now. He basically said, you know, we get to sit with clients on the best days and the worst days of their lives. When really good things happen and really terrible things happen, we're typically in the top five to 10 phone calls that they make. Because when there's promotions or when you get let go, when you have kids or when someone passes away, you know, they all have these financial implications and you are positioned in this, this coach guide position of trust. And you know, the joke is besides your pastor and your doctor, I might know you better than anybody. And it's a, a privileged place to be. But I think that's what I hope to continue to educate as I know you are with this podcast and just mm-hmm. your work with clients and people in the community is there are ways of getting legitimate advice and counsel where you can be aligned with the person you're working with and not, you know, it, it can be a legitimate long-term relationship, not just, hey, this person's going to sell me, you know, a whole life insurance policy and that's supposed to fix my problems. I like that. So I think, Brian, what we should do is try to give at least what we think is like maybe some tools mm. or some next step resources for you know our peers, our, our Gen Y peers that are maybe looking to take this step to become empowered with their money. Prior to interviewing a financial planner, I as I shared with you, I think it might be useful to just like even start before that with like maybe book recommendations. Are, are there any... Are there any books that you like to share with clients to kind of help them help get them started? Well, I am, you know, I will, I'm unashamed. I wish I read more books. I am a professional book buyer because I hear about yeah. the book or the okay. idea and I'm like, yeah, but I'm looking as we sit here, I'm looking at my bookshelf and going, okay, I've maybe read 14% of those. But I, I you know, I think there is nothing new under the sun in regards to money. Yeah. You know, we often talk about there's five things you have to do to be financially successful, spend less than you earn, save systematically, avoid debt, give generously, and then set long-term goals and stay accountable. And there's a million different ways to skin that cat. And that's why there's a million different personal finance books. You know, one of the ones that I read early on was Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. A lot of people are familiar with Dave Ramsey and, you know, his his financial peace university. But I think the, I don't agree with everything in that book per se from like an advice perspective, but I think that the, the basics and the mindset and the behaviors that he helps to groove out. And that book is, is often a really nice rudimentary starting point in someone's financial journey. Yeah. It's like the, the token response that every financial planner is, has to give whenever they talk about Dave Ramsey is the, I don't agree with everything he says. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, that was, I, re- I read that book when I was fresh out of college and I've given that mm-hmm. book to a number of people. I think he's done a lot of good work in, in with regards to just inspiring people. Yeah. And so I, 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 I'm totally with you on that as well too. I'm also like a, a podcast guy. So I've, yeah. I do a podcast. I give a lot of people kind of podcast recommendations as well too. There's there's a bunch of them. I are you familiar with Radical Personal Finance, the Joshua Sheets podcast at all? I feel I've probably given that one out more than any. He's really great for someone that is kind of looking to take the next step and Mm. dig a little deeper because he's really creative. He kind of helps you understand that if 
if you can define what your goals are, there, there's, there's a, you know, the, the tools are just tools to get there. And so he, he's got a lot of cool and creative ideas as to how to plan your finances that, that go beyond the kind of uh, textbook stuff. And so I like it because it gets people kind of thinking mm-hmm. a lot more creatively than, of course, the baby steps are pretty useful, but at some point, you know, everyone's kind of living their own life and has their own goals and dreams. And uh, as you point out, there there are other ways to to skin a cat. You know, I've, I've even helped teach the Dave Ramsey class at our church. And yeah. it, what I don't like about it is it is aimed at one target market. And it's people that are kind of in dire straits. Right. And, you know, oftentimes we'll come across clients who are Actually, they're doing quite well. They probably are already through, you know, three of the, you know, seven baby steps. And the way I was kind of raised with Dave Ramsey in the in the shadows of my childhood, it, it felt like, man, if I get a credit card, I I might end up in hell because it's that bad. And you you grow up and realize, okay, debt is, you know, we don't want to use it and abuse it. But, you know, I, I use a credit card, you just pay it off every month, right? So I love you know, having podcasts and things that are real time where there's real feedback. Yeah, I love that. The the other kind of avenue I think people could go down is maybe try to find it doesn't even have to be like a formal agreement, but like an actual mentor. So yep. someone that you look up to, maybe they're a little older or maybe they're your own age that you look up to, you think they've <laughs> maybe handled things pretty well with regards to organizing and and planning your financial life. What do you think about that, Brian? Is that is that kind of a useful uh, useful way to go as well too for people kind of getting started? Yeah, I, I mean, bottom line, yes. I think what I would also encourage, you know, I, I love my parents. They gave me lots of great tools, but everyone only knows what they know. And I yeah. really think that having a mentor that you're not related to is actually pretty important because they don't, they don't have your whole childhood and how much of a brat you were when you were a teenager, like against you, you know, they can just see you as the young adult that you are. And so, you know, the, at Triune, I, I, I got to Triune when I was 22 and I didn't necessarily know I was signing up for this, but I ended up with five mentors because, you know, I'm the youngest partner of the six of us and the other five are all about twice my age. So better or for worse, I have excess mentorship. I think at times I maybe could use more, you know, peers that are my age, but I think that's incredibly important. I was really fortunate to intern with Sporting Kansas City during undergrad and met Alan Dietrich, who is the COO over there. And it's not like we hang out all that much, but we stay in touch through social media and we grab coffee every so often. And having someone that can speak truth in your life without any of the excess baggage, I think is one of the most valuable things anyone can do. And I would encourage anyone listening to this just to think about, is there a relationship, like you said, that have to be you know weekly on Tuesday morning that, heck, every five months, just reach out and, and get together and see what happens. Right. If you think about really any anyone that's had any amount of success with money that I can recall, like there was usually a mentor or like somebody in in that person's life that kind of got it started. So like, of course, everyone's favorite famous investor, Warren Buffett, Mm -hmm. famously, you know, his father was a stockbroker and kind of inspired the, the interest that, that, the young Buffett had in the markets growing up. And and then of course, Buffett was the most famous student under Benjamin Graham, who basically invented value investing. So so even someone like Warren Buffett was not on an island. He he didn't come out of nowhere. He he had he had mentors in his life 
that kind of helped him get things started. Well, and I think the point that we're making here is it really is relationship. As you were talking about Warren Buffett, I started thinking about Andy Reid, and it seems like you, it's hard to find an NFL team where one of the coaching staff is not somehow connected to Coach Reed because of the impact he's had in decades of experience. And I, I think I've found that at Triune where it's, it's doing life with people and the mentorship that can even go back and forth. You know, like I said, I've got these older guys that are mentors to me, but I know that I've taught them quite a bit the last several years. I love it. And so now kind of getting into a little bit more of the granular detail, let's say, Brian, I'm a Young family, maybe in my late 30s, not speaking about anybody here, but uh, I am 36. You know, a few kids, maybe a little bit of debt. You've been able to save over the years and uh, you've purchased different financial products from various places, but you're married and things are a little complicated and maybe for the first time in your life, really looking to to sit down and kind of do a a thorough um, deep dive into your situation and try to figure out if you're on track to where you want to go and maybe trying to crystallize where you want to go in the first place. What would you say, Brian, are some of the tips or the ideas that you would have if people are looking to actually interview financial planners? Yeah. You know, I think if you're talking about the 20 and 30 something crowd, they're often going to go online first. And so I think if I were to be researching and trying to find somebody to fit, fit that need in my life, the first thing I would look at is if they're a fiduciary. Most people are, are starting to know what that means now, but that means that they are bound to act in your best interest by law. Um, second, and I'm, I'm kind of biased to this, but if they're independent, meaning they don't have a financial relationship with like a specific bank or a brokerage house or an insurance company. And so that way the incentives can be really clear. You know, when someone hires me to work for them or hires Triune, they're the boss. The client is is the one that owns that relationship. I don't, I'm not answering, to, you know, I'm not poking fun at any one company, but like MetLife, the insurance company, you know, I, I don't have a relationship with them that's going to change any of my actions. So I think being an independent fiduciary is really crucial. And I also think, you know, at that level, that that client avatar that you're describing, having a certified financial planner, having a CFP, those three little letters behind, you know, our names that most people don't really know what they mean. When I see that, I know that that person takes their craft very seriously because it is a very real investment of money, time, and effort to get that designation and really just speaks to the technical competency of the person you're working with. I like that. Yeah. For me, you know, going back to that relationship word, another another kind of avenue that I would think about too is just what that relationship would look like. So, you, you know, Brian, most of our our peers most of our peers in financial planning that, you know, they deal with retirees or, or especially like pre-retirees, right. kind of folks gearing up for retirement in the next five or 10 years. Those, those people basically need a completely different type of financial planner mm-hmm. than, uh, you know, a young family in their 30s, for example, that isn't even thinking about retirement, but is dealing with running a household and, and paying down a mortgage and switching jobs and, and kind of everything that comes with with that part of life. And so I think you want to be really clear about who your financial planner serves and what they're able to do do for you because it might be totally different than what they're able to do for, you know, any other sort of client. Completely. Yeah, knowing knowing that your person you don't want to be the only person or the only client that looks like you in that advisor's practice. You know, you want them working with lots of people in similar walks of life. 
Yeah, you you don't want to just be another another fee that your advisor can pocket because he's happy to open your account for you. And I think that's that's what we're trying to point out here. I, I totally you kind of glossed over one thing that I do believe is critically important when someone's interviewing an advisor and it can feel awkward because we're all trained in America to not ask about money and what someone's income is or whatever. And then, you know, Andy and I go to work and that's all we get to talk about (laughs) prior to people's lives. But you have every right to ask an advisor, how much do you get paid? How does it happen? You know, to, to understand all of that is incredibly important because this should be an investment, right? If And I don't mean like an investment in the market. I mean, if you're going to pay a fee for advice and counsel, ideally the financial repercussions would be to the, to the client's advantage, right? 100%. For instance, yeah. advice, the advice better yield a return of some kind is part in the financial terminology there. Just, yeah, you can always ask an advisor what they get paid, how much and why. I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, good, man. I, I've, I've enjoyed this. How about this? Tell me more about what you're doing at Triune and, and who you're serving. And uh, maybe just kind of give me the background of, of what you're up to these days over there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I make the joke often. I, I fell into financial planning on accident. I was kind of networking with those partners over there six years ago upon kind of a referral from my parents. And fast forward six years, one of the partners over there and lead, you know, co-lead the kind of our private client division. We do have a retirement plans division where they're focused on business owners and 401k plans and 403b plans for those small to mid-sized businesses. But I, I, I focus on couples and families. I do work with single folks as well, but often find that a lot of our value, as I'm sure you found as well, comes in helping couples get on the same page financially. You know, and totally. I, I, Michael Kitsis, you know, the nerdiest and most famous financial advisor, and I say that lovingly, talks so much about having a niche and I or a niche, however you want to say it. And I, I wish I had a better one. But I, for me, most of my clients are between 28 and 48 years old, oftentimes either double income, no kids, or they're young families. They're doing pretty well. And they're kind of how you described earlier. They just have enough going on. It's it's complex enough that they just want someone to help make sure they're not dropping the ball, right? Because as life gets more complex, you're spinning plates. That's where we can come in and provide tremendous value or, or are able to provide tremendous value in the planning processes, those kind of young families. But what's cool about Triune is because of the age differences, you know, we've got folks in their 60s, 50s, 30s, and 20s at Triune and we serve clients on the whole age spectrum. You know, I think our youngest client's 21 and our oldest client is probably in their early 90s. I guess I'd have to look that up, but we get to serve people in all walks of life and because we work together at Triune as a firm, I can get referred to somebody who's 72 and maybe they see me and go, "Hmm, he looks like my grandson. Maybe I don't want to work with him particularly." No problem. I can get them teed up with someone else at the firm. But what we really focus on is comprehensive, in-depth financial planning. And then those other elements of investment management, or if you need to look at insurance or even like tax planning, estate planning, all of that comes out of an in-depth comprehensive plan that focuses primarily on your goals as the client. Yeah. And in my conversations, you know, with your partners, Jeff Jaworski, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Molinix over there, like you guys, you guys live and breathe it. I know it's coming from a real place. So it's great to hear you say that. But where can anyone go to learn more about Triune? 
yeah, best place to find more about us is our website, which is just triunefp, which stands for financialpartners.com, T-R-I-U-N-E-F-P.com. All of our stuff's on there. And if you want to get in touch with anyone, you can go to the little bios page and people's links and emails are all in there. But that's honestly the best place. And other than that, just connecting with me on LinkedIn is a great place as well. Well, good, man. There's a lot of rabbit holes that we could maybe could take this in the future. I, I think there's a lot of air, w- ways we could have or air, paths we could have gone down. So if you're maybe gracious enough to come back, we should do this again sometime. I would love it. Andrew, I appreciate the work you're doing, man. This is great. Cool. Thanks, Brian. You bet. Bye.